Good morning. All right, we're obviously going to do a new series today, and I'm going to call it Unstuck. All right, who's ever been stuck before? All right, uh, who's ever been stuck? Who's ever been like stuck, like in a car with mud stuck before? This is all right. Yeah, you know what that feels like. Who's who's ever been stuck um, in an airport? Like, oh man, you know. And the, whoever lost your temper, I won't look. Just go ahead and get a free confession. I mean, right? Like, really? You you have nowhere to put me, and nowhere, uh, you know. All right. Um, Who's ever been, you don't have to raise your hands for some of these, but who's ever been stuck emotionally? Just, I can't get off that thing, you know. St um, stuck in a relationship? Stuck uh, financially? I mean, getting stuck is just one of the things that happens to us in life. And the art, uh, the, the skill to get unstuck is such a, such an important skill. And so I wanted to do this series on how do we get, how do we get moving? You know, how do you get some traction going? I mean, I, I remember getting stuck in my, uh, well, so many different of my dad's vehicles over the years. But uh, I remember you'd get stuck. And one time I followed my friend into a, a swamp and I had a motorcycle and he had a, back then there were three-wheelers before the four-wheelers, right? And uh, I'm dating myself now, if you, um, but he had the three-wheeler, right, and of course, the big fat tires, and he went tearing through this swamp, and I went down to the bottom of this swamp, right, and I was in fourth gear, and I was going nowhere, and that's how sometimes we get in life. We just keep changing gears, but we're not getting anywhere, and so I just want to do a series for us to just let's get unstuck. Now, it would be great if the new year were really all that traction-oriented. In other words, oh, it's a new year. I'll set some New Year's resolutions. I'll do this and that. And the reality is what we've learned over the years is changing the date on the calendar just doesn't have the same effect that we want it to have. I, I'll just, well, it's a new year, so I'll make a, Nothing wrong with making new resolutions, but it usually takes something deeper than that. Now, for today, I want to use the story of Abraham. And here's what I've noticed over the years. Um, just like a lot of you didn't know that song, and a lot of you did, a lot of people don't know the Bible's stories anymore. Probably two generations have gone by where it was every Sunday at church, you know. And so sometimes you make a reference to a Bible story or a character, and people don't know it. So if you already know it, good on you. And if you don't, allow me. Um, and to set up Abraham... Abraham is the father to the Jewish people. Jesus, of course, is Jewish, and I tell people all the time, if you want to understand the Bible in simple terms, the, what we call the Old Testament is the story of the nation of Israel. Ta-da! The Old Testament. The story of the nation of Israel. Right? It's founding, it's coming to play. And then the, the New Testament is the story of Jesus and the church. So that's how you can understand in simplest terms. So if the Old Testament is the story of the nation of Israel, the founder is a man named Abraham. Let's. So we're going to learn about Abraham and how he started all of this. And I think hopefully we'll learn how to get unstuck. Genesis 11, uh, verse 31. This is uh, Abraham's dad 
His name's Terah. If you want to put that up there, that'd be super. Terah took his son, Abram. Now, before his name was Abraham, it was Abram. Abram, all right? His grandson, Lot, that's Haran's son. So just a little background to get you caught up here. Um, Terah is the father. He has three sons. And he had one of his sons named Haran. And he had, a, he had a son named Lot. And Haran died. And so Lot stayed with, obviously, with the family. And Sarai, his daughter-in-law, Abraham's or Abram's wife. Okay, so as you get the story set up, they set out from Ur. Let's say it together. One, two, three. I mean, you, you might as well have a little fun interaction. You're here. You made the drive. One, two, three. Ur. Ur. Ur of the Chaldees um, from the land of, uh, for the land of Canaan. So they're leaving Ur and they're going to? That's the journey. That's the journey. But, everybody say but. 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 There's always a but in the story. But when they got as far as Haran, they, what? They settled there. Sometimes we get stuck where we settle. Anybody ever settle for something in life you shouldn't have settled for? You shouldn't have settled for that. And here's the toughest part about getting unstuck. I'll just throw a little teaser out there. The toughest part about getting unstuck is the things that you don't know. The old saying is, you don't know what you... There's something out there that you don't know about. And as we will learn, they don't know anything really about Canaan. It's unknown. And they're, they're heading for Canaan, but they stop. And here, here, Terah, the father of Abraham, dies. So, let's set the story. They move from, we'll, we'll say this is Ur over here. Um, if any of you know your geography, it's the Fertile Crescent. They go kind of north. Mesopotamia, they go up like this. And Haran is up here, and then they're supposed to go all the way over to Canaan. So they stop right in the middle. They stop in Haran. They settled there. And then the dad dies. So now you have Abraham, not in Ur, the homeland where he grew up, not in Canaan, the land they were headed for, but in the middle, stuck in the middle. And he has a barren wife. Um, that, that would be an unbelievable problem in his day. And his father has died. And now it's decision time. And then he hears a voice, Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abram, you know, leave your country. Leave your father. Leave your home for the land that I'm going to show you. He gets this call. And so this is what happens in the story. He's stuck and then he hears a voice. He hears God. There's a calling. I think the first step for any of us, by the way, to get unstuck is you've got to hear something. You just have to hear something. And I'm, 
Don't overthink this about how God speaks to you. Don't, I mean, I would say most of you don't go looking in your email inbox for an email from God. I think where people get stuck is, well, it must have been really obvious or dramatic. Maybe it was, but maybe it wasn't. But somehow Abraham knew he was being called. Somehow he knew. I think that's probably the number one question that people ask me is, how do you know? How do you know God's calling you? When do you know it's God? I mean, what a great question, right? And if I was the guy that could certify it and say, well, yeah, that's certified and that's not, I mean, I could make a lot of money. But I don't know. But the reality, this is the key thing, you will hear a voice. And let me just say this because this is where I think people get confused. That voice is probably going to sound a lot like you. In other words, does anyone talk to themselves? <laughs> All the time? In other words, what we're doing is we're, we're trying to figure things out. And you get these, where do these, these ideas, where do these urges, where do these promptings, where do they come from? Just, just think for a minute. This is what makes you, you. I don't have the same urges or promptings that you have. You have them. And it, it becomes important at some point that you pay attention to why is it that I'm feeling this way or desiring this? Now, you have to, you have to filter that because we've all followed our feelings in the wrong direction, right? But you'll know when you dig down deeper, it's usually a layer deeper. Can I just say it that way? It's usually if you're willing to go a layer deeper and hear that voice. I think probably if you're old enough, you would recognize what I'm saying because that first voice is the simple voice, the easy one, the one that's always chattering at you. And you have to kind of settle in and get a deeper. And then you hear this voice. Now, what's really interesting about this story is um, you may say, well, well, God promised him you'll be, you'll, you'll be great. You're, you'll, you'll be a great uh, father to a nation. Your name will be great. You will be a blessing. I'm going to bless the whole earth through you. And most of us that do know the story of Abram, we go, no brainer, let's go. That's an easy one. But what most of us don't know, because we can look back, it's, it's sort of like you look, look at some athlete today that's made it to the top and just like, oh, it was easy for him. But you don't see all the sweat. You don't see all the tears. You don't see all the work. You don't see getting up at four in the morning to lift. You don't see all those things. You just see him in front, or her in front of the lights and the cameras. So what we need to do is just take a minute and see what did he leave behind. He's stuck in the middle. Now you can go back to Ur. What was Ur anyway? What do we know about Ur? I don't know if you realize this or not, but Ur was no small town. Let me take you a little tiny journey. Um, you ever heard the phrase, don't reinvent the... Do you know where it was invented? God. See, someone's paying attention. I love when people pay attention. Ur. You know what's also invented in Ur? The written word. Think about how many times to this day we write things down. All traced back to Ur. In Ur, they invented the sailboat, mathematics, the plow, 
Beer? Oh, everybody woke up at church. If they got the sailboat and beer, Jimmy Buffett might be have a cousin in Ur, you know. They invented mathematics. They used the num. Their, their mathematical system was based on the number 60. Do we use 60 at all today? You know what, what they believe, how they came up with 60? Because you would count on your fingers like this. One, two, three, four. See these little creases in your hand? Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. When you get to here, you got... 60. What Abram was leaving behind. Now, in, in Ur, and they, they've, they've unearthed all of this. Uh, some guy went there. By the way, there's also Ur's home of an Agatha Christie murder mystery for grins. But they went to unearth Ur. These guys stumbled upon it. And they started to discover how sophisticated this place was. That this place place in the Sumerian, uh, was the capital of the Sumerian culture, had developed sophisticated channels where they would take the Euphrates River and divert it and to create these lush farmlands. In mathematics, they could do square roots and cube roots. They could calculate how much earth they would have to take out of a canal. So when Abram is leaving, he's going to another place. Now, because these people in Ur were not only sophisticated um, and wealthy, they tended to look down on other people. They talked about, they called them Westerners, they, 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 the, the unsophisticated and the uncivilized, the people that were out there. And this is where God was calling him. So just so you have a little context, Ur is New York City, right? And, uh, well, I, wanna, I don't want to put anyone down. We'll just say Columbus, Ohio, or somewhere. He's called a, some lowly place on, on earth, you know. I mean, he's being called to a place you don't want to travel to, right, where the unsophisticated live. And this is important. When he's, when he's contemplating this, at the time, they talked about, these people, they don't, they don't bury their dead properly. They don't offer sacrifices to the gods. They aren't religious. This is what he would say. They eat raw meat. They don't cook their food. They, they found all these things. So he's living in a culture that has stuff. Let me show you a picture. This is called the Great Ziggurat of Ur. And I'll show it to you here. And this this ziggurat, I think if they can throw it up there, is you can still find these today in that region. It's in southern Iraq. Now, here's an artist's rendering of what they may have looked like. And they, they have these all around in southern Iraq. And th there's another one that will show you that is standing there today in the ruins of Ur. And uh, if they have it, maybe. If not, that's fine. So. This is, this is what they would do. They would go to the top of this structure, and they would worship, and they would worship the moon god, and this was all a part of Abram's culture. So if you think Abram was Jewish, you're wrong, and this is a key thing. 
He was the father of the Jewish nation, but he wasn't Jewish. He had to pioneer something out of something else. This is where he grew up. This is how he grew up. Do you see this? The call always takes you out of something. The new is born out of the old. So, here he is, and he's making his journey. He's making his decision. With, he's in Haran, he's stuck in the middle, and he has to decide his dad dies. Do I go back? He's got contacts. He's got job connections. He's got wealth. He's got all of this. Or do I go, what? Forward. Later on in Hebrews, we're going to learn he doesn't know anything about Canaan. All he knows is what he hears is these are a bunch of barbarians. There's no reason to go there. There's a couple of clues that I think in this story might help us. Getting unstuck. His dad dies. Um, I don't know how you grew up, but like how I grew up is like if there were a group of people and my dad was in the circle and there were friends and other words, and something broke, everybody went like this. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Every dad, what what do we do? This is anybody grow up something like this? It's like something's broke, something's wrong, the car broke. This, dad, what do we do? So the. For all of his life, it was dad, dad. Everybody looked at Tara, his father. What do we do? Now he's gone. And something goes wrong and everybody goes. And Abram goes, me. One of the most important transitions in your life is when you lose your foundation. It's just not there. I remember when my dad died. I still remember. If you've lost your dad, you know exactly where you were, when you heard the news, exactly. You can, you can, the whole thing. And when he loses his father, he loses his foundation. And he has to start off on his own. Um, recently, I can't help, I've, I've just been fascinated studying these, all these cultures where they have these coming of rights ceremonies for young men because we don't have them in our culture. And so they have them all over the world where young boys become men and what they do. And this week, um, I was studying how the Navajo would do it. They take a young man. They said when his voice starts to crack, and say, how do you do it? Is it when he turns 12 or 13? Or They said when his voice cracks, then the grandpa knows and they said, when his eyes are open, that means he starts liking girls. That's how they knew. And they would bring him, bring him into the sweat lodge. But there were no women allowed. It was only older men. None of his friends, none of his boys, you know, older men. And they took them through this ceremony, and they taught him about four men. They said, there is the weak man. The weak man does not take responsibility for himself. He blames things on other people. He doesn't take responsibility for his actions. And he said, there is the strong man. That's the man who does take responsibility for his own actions, right? So he, they were contrasting and teaching these young men. And here's the thing. 
One of the greatest things that ever happens to us in life is when we are out on our own. If I could say metaphorically, when our dad dies. Can I say it in a different way? Metaphorically, the greatest thing that happens to you is when your dad dies, when you finally step on your own and take responsibility for yourself. That's what Abram had to do. He had to decide, now I need to make some decisions. More than one social scientist is saying this today. We're maybe protecting them too far. Can I say it very nicely? They, they got to swim at some point. They got to do it. That's, at some point then, because if, you, if you're there, you catch them. So Charlie's trying to ride a bike. He got her a bike for Christmas. It's the one with no pedals. Um, what a terrible idea. And I, but, you know, I was there. I was at Walmart getting groceries, and it was $29, right? And that's $29. So I thought, well, maybe she's ready. And she's not, but I thought maybe she's ready. So my back hurts today because all I do is just steady her like this, right? She can't even hold the thing up. It's heavier than she can even hold up. But in my mind, you know, I'm trying to get... Letting them fall. Isn't that the, isn't that the magic question? When and how do you let them fall? When and how do you let them fall? If for the rest of their life... You know what she said this morning when I was, we were doing it as we were getting ready to come to church? I got you, Daddy. I got you. She's driving, and she's got me. What she's trying to say, she heard me say so many times, I got you, honey. I got you. I got you. Right? Look, when you finally, when you finally step out, this is the big one. Abram has to make the decision to go, to step out. But, but I might fall. Ready? You're going to fall. That's even better news. Just get it over with. You're going to fall. You're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. If the idea, and, and this, is the, this is the key thing, this is what people get stuck. Ready? They think, I, I don't want to make a mistake. Then you're stuck. As soon as you get there, you are stuck. I don't want to make a mistake. Of course you're going to make a mistake. Of course you're going to... Abram's life is loaded with mistakes, and it's loaded with ridiculous blessing. They aren't mutually exclusive. Did you hear what I said? They're not mutually exclusive. You are going to make mistakes. That's just part of it, but you have to step out and make the journey, make the step. And so, you know, today they would tell you, well, make a list. Anybody ever tell you this? Make a list of pros and cons. Terrible idea. Honest to God, whoever tells you that, don't listen to them. Uh-huh. I messed with some of you already, right? Well, I always do that. Pros and cons. Because we all know this is a bogus list, right? Pros and cons. What if I stay? What if I go? Right? And you make a list over here as if everything you write on the board has equal weight. They don't equal weight to each other. What if I, should I move to Minnesota? And you, it's cold there. It's cold in Michigan. You know, you put all the lists, you know, and this is, you know, the tax rate, and this is the school system, and this is this, and this. And you put, so Abram starts making his pros and cons list. Here's the problem with the pros and cons list. Ready? Should I go to Canaan? Cons. There's a bunch of barbarians. I don't know anyone, right? The list goes on and on and on and on and on. There's all cons. And there's only one pro. 
I think God wants me to. I mean, it's the only thing you can nudge on that side of the ledger. Some things weigh more than others. And there, there will be some things in your life where it will just be the call. It will just be. And God says versus all the other reasons why it doesn't make sense economically, emotionally, it's, but God said. Do you know the other thing that happened in Ur? Because Abram's break here, like Bible scholars will tell you that this chapter and this section that we're studying is the hinge of the entire Bible. <clears throat> So Bible scholars will say. I mean, that study it day in and day out. They, they, they notice things that we don't notice, and I could point them out later, such as this saying is repeated five times in the Old Testament, this calling, that everything kind of came to a head at the Tower of Babel. Did you notice a connection there? The end of chapter 11, the beginning of chapter 11, the Tower of Babel. Never mind. Another class. <laughs> Humanity was coming to a head. This isn't, just, this isn't just Abram getting unstuck. This is the story of humanity getting unstuck. There's all kinds of consequences here. I'm going to bless the whole world through you. Do you know what else he left behind in Ur? In Ur, this is what they believed about your life. Your destiny was written in the stars. And the priests figured out what it said, and you accepted it. Have a nice life. They would take people to these high places, uh, all kinds of, uh, I think you would say, horrific things would happen to them. But they were just to accept it because that was their fate. That was their destiny. The very, this is the whole key to this whole thing. The very idea that you could choose was new. The very idea that you could have some say over your own life and your own destiny, that's a brand new idea. You see, everyone else, they just did what they thought the heavens had already dictated. Like earth was just playing out what was already happening here. And this is a complete break from how it all goes. You talk about swimming upstream. Abram, when he takes that first step towards Canaan, all of human history changed. Not just his life. You know what it takes for some of you to get unstuck? <clears throat> it might take for something to die in your life. Like his dad died. He just, just has to die. The thing you always relied on, your crutch, your go-to, it's not there anymore. Getting fired, losing your health. You know, some of you know what I'm talking about. You can't get unstuck if, if, if the crutch isn't kicked out from underneath you. And then you have to hear that voice. And then you have to make the, the courageous call to just step, to just start. There's a story about the, you know, the, the elephants, how they train the circus elephants. And they start with their young babies and they tie a rope to them. And these, these little baby elephants and this tie a rope to a, a pole that's driven into the ground. And so these little baby elephants, they just don't wander off. But something else happens to these baby elephants. 
in their mind, they start to think, as long as this rope's tied to my leg, I can't go anywhere. And they get bigger and stronger and bigger and stronger. Until you have this massive beast of an elephant. Anybody ever seen an ele a live elephant up close? Unreal power. One time I was taking a, a, a little guided tour down a river in Malawi, and it's, it's, it's filled with hippos. And so the guy's telling us all about hippo, and they're huge beasts. He's, he's a hippo, and he's explaining how powerful they are in their jaws. They get to slam, and the, the, the hippos kill more people than any other animal in Africa. And we're getting this whole tour about hippos, and, and, we're, there's all, and then we pull up to the side of the bank, and there's an elephant. And I said, man, what would happen if a hippo and an elephant got at it. He goes, no question. Elephant would fling him. I said, whoa. By the time these mammoth elephants get to be full size and full strength, that same little rope around their leg will hold them to any little pole. Something they could, with one little kick, thrash and run. But what's been conditioned there this is the whole story. Abram somehow overcame the conditioning of his mind. Here's the, here's the first thing you need to know to get unstuck. You are powerful. You're powerful. If you can learn that, you can break free. You have the power. Yes, you're going to make mistakes. Yes, things are going to go wrong. You're powerful. You have to overcome that conditioning. It was the conditioning Abraham had been told. No, no, you just do what the stars are aligned. And all of a sudden, he, he felt this inner call, this urge. Later on, if you fast forward way, way into the book of Acts, chapter 7, I think 32 or somewhere in there, Stephen's given the speech. And if you know much about the story of the book of Acts, Stephen's the first kind of martyr in the early church movement. And in part of his speech, he's telling the story passionately of Abram because people all knew the story, kind of like unlike today. People don't know it as well. But everybody knew it. And then he, he added this in the story. Abram, while he was still in Ur, heard the call. Well, it was a twist. We didn't know that. You see, perhaps this was something that had been with Abram since the time he was a child. It, it, it's probably no coincidence that there are things that God put inside of you, that they've been inside of you since the time you were young. And people will even call them childish notions. But they're here. Don't, look at me, don't sell this out. Don't sell this out with the voice of God. That's worth paying attention to, no matter what your pros and cons list tells you. Sorry, Mom and Dad, if I blew up the pros and cons list thing for you. Here's how we should close. What does it take? It just takes faith. In Hebrews, it says very simply this. Abram went even though he didn't know where he was going. Hebrews 11. Abram went, even though he didn't know where he was going. Well, okay, son, if you want to do that, can you sit down and explain to me your plan? You're like, I, I, I don't have one. Well, can you at least tell me where you're going to land? Give me your address so I can write to you. Uh, 
I don't know. I think sometimes we get stuck because we're worried about putting the perfect plan together. Anybody ever been there? I got to get every part of the plan together. But there's a saying, he who waits for perfect conditions will never get anything done. Or it's, it, in Proverbs, it says something like this, like, you know, if you're waiting for there never to be a cloud in the sky, you'll never plant your crops. Sometimes you just don't know. Sometimes you just have to trust this, I, this is God. Now, I know this can be dangerous because people blame all kinds of harebrained ideas on God. I, I can't get involved in that. I just can't. I don't, know what to, I don't know what to do with that. But I can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I sure can't. Because I know in my life, the most important things that have happened to me have all started right here. I can hear the voice. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. When we did the whole series leading up to Christmas about giving, you're blessed to be a blessing. The whole idea is that just it's, you're, you're to be a blessing. God wants to bless you so that you can be the blessing. But you will have to, at times, let go of some things. Security, comfort, familiarity, certainty. Oh, man, they say, you know what they say? Our brains, this is what the brain scientists are telling us, our brains are hardwired to crave certainty. We want certain outcomes. Do you know how hard it is to swim against that stream? I don't know. Where, where are you going to go? I, I don't know. I think the call of Abram will take on an incredible, an incredible uh, new significance if you can realize this. What did he leave behind? And he had no idea what he was going to. It wasn't, did you notice it wasn't called the promised land then? It wasn't the land of milk and honey. It was Canaan. The barbaric land. That's key. You can look back and go, oh, of course he did it. But no, no, no. If you were in his shoes at the time, they were trembling shoes. But he had the courage to take the step. So I want to encourage you today. You know, hear the voice. Have the faith. Faith was not, I believe there is a God. Faith was, ready? All right, honey, let's load, let's load the animals. Let's go. Where are we going to? I, I'm not exactly sure. But we're following his voice. Man, I wish, I wished you know, I could tell you, because I look back now, honestly, starting Orchard Grove, I look back now and I go, I had no plan and no clue. Like, I thought I had some kind of a plan and some kind of a clue, but I look back now and I go, I had no idea what I was doing. None. I, even today, I, I think I'm doing it, I think it terrifies me. That's, that, that's crazy. But this, listen, it was, honestly, I, I got to say it was 80% in here. I just knew this is what to do. So what we learn over time in life is that there's all kinds of voices, but the most important voice is the, what we call the still, what? Small voice.
There was a, when I, when, I, when I went to church with my grandma, they used to sing this song, I've decided to follow Jesus. It's an old song. And as I got older, I started to realize how, how good it was. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. And I thought, that's it. That's right. You have to make a decision at some point in your life, a strong, a clear decision. This is my direction. No turning back. Somehow you, you have to burn the bridges. Now just listen as we close. Haran was a known crossroad. It was well known. This was a crossroad. That's why he settled there. You know what I think? I think sometimes we settle, we want to keep our options open. I want to be able to go back. I want to be, it's human nature. But at some point, you have to burn the bridges and say, here I go. And so today, whatever you're stuck in, whatever you're stuck on, let it be a defining moment. Let the first step out of this gathering place or the first step out of your living room if you're watching, whatever you are, let the first step be the step towards the calling, the greater good that God has for you, the blessing, the blessing that's beyond the borders that are holding you back.